0: Welcome to It's No Secret, a podcast for Kiwis who want their money questions answered. Ready, SETI, go. This podcast will answer the money questions you may or may not have on your mind. We'll talk to real Kiwis and share truths about our own
1: financial lives. Both the successes and the failures. Because the truth is, there is no secret to achieving financial freedom. Hello
0: and welcome to It's No Secret. I'm Christine. And I'm Kat. And today we're tackling part two of our How to Start Investing in the Share Markets episode series. If you haven't listened to part one, stop right now and go back and listen. If you have, then let's get stuck in. That also kind of makes me think about the question of how much should I start with? Yes. Like what what is a good amount in... I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? On the back of what you just said.
1: I think definitely the starting point is it's totally relative to your personal financial situation. So what is a large amount for some people is not a large amount for others. What we see super regularly is that people will start with a smaller sum of money of, say, the total amount they would consider investing to then build their comfort with it over whether it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months, kind of, you know, that whole like dip your toe in the water before necessarily (laughs) investing like – the amount of savings that they've decided is not something they need to access for the long term and they're happy to invest that in the share markets. Your first share purchases were somewhere up to like $500. You know, if you have say $20,000 sitting in your bank account, like anywhere up to probably $1,000 is a good place to start before you necessarily want to invest that whole amount of money.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this leads perfectly onto the whole idea of If you come into some money or if you have a lump sum that you want to invest, it can be quite overwhelming to to think, okay, am I going to invest all of this at once? Or, I mean, I guess it depends on your risk tolerance and how you kind of want to deal with that. Or do I want to drip feed it, like you said, and have small amounts regularly? I know personally, so I came into a bit of money earlier this year. And I actually was really nervous. I didn't know what to do with it.
1: And do you remember when like, Pink I had bird. that money and you're like, you need to do something, something with yeah, it. I was like, sitting around and making no choice. Yeah, exactly. The so cost I'm, of inaction is very high. Exactly.
0: And so I think you get into analysis paralysis, right? Where yes. you're constantly like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And then you yep. end up doing nothing. So just doing something with a smaller amount to get a feel is better Definitely than doing nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. And I think people often uh, opt to say set up like an auto invest or a regular investment plan for a sum of money because then not only are you investing a smaller amount initially but the constant thought of it is then taken care of in the future because it's something that's just automatically happening and you don't need to be checking back on it say every month to make sure that it's happening, the decision has been made and then it just ticks along in the background. So that definitely helps with yeah the indecision or like paralysis this as well
0: yeah exactly and um setting up things like auto invest I know when I first did that it's I was like oh this is so great because I don't have to think about it yeah it can I mean my you know pay comes in and then it goes out and invests itself straight away the whole idea of pay yourself first yes which do
1: you want to clarify really quickly yeah pay yourself an amount for your future prior to taking out any money from your pay for your expenses and day-to-day living so you're looking after like future you first
0: yeah exactly Um I that was so empowering when I started doing it. It Mm. I was like, Oh, so good. This is why people do it. This is why auto invest works. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so into our personal experiences. I've shared a little bit of mine, but Kat, do you want to tell us you Mm. know, what is your view on how on getting started, what did you do when you first got started in the share markets? Mm. And where are you now?
1: This is a really good question. Um, So, I had been working as an advisor for quite a few years prior to myself investing personally. So, as we mentioned very uh, at the start of this episode, I obviously had my super in Australia. So, I had inadvertently been an investor for quite a while, but I didn't have like a personal investment portfolio that I was making a decision around. And so, By the time I got to the point of deciding that, I had worked in advice firms that used an active management approach or, you know, recommended an active management approach. I'd worked in advice firms that use passive. I had worked with brokers that just, you know, do individual company recommendations. Um, My parents, like I guess one of the things that really informed my decision making, which will be interesting to get into, was uh, my parents had like many mom and dad investors had a large shareholding in one company due to like stock options from working in that company. And then slowly over time, they had, I guess, transitioned some of their money into other companies. But at one point in time, I think from memory, they had like hundreds of thousands of dollars in the share market in probably less than 10 companies. And at the time, I obviously didn't know what any of the risks around that were, but as I had started to work with more and more financial advice clients and seeing the benefits of like diversification and being across a whole heap of different companies and why using funds were a good thing. By the time I got to wanting to invest, I actually was working with my financial advisor and probably much to her annoyance kind of went in and was like, look, I know I want to start investing. I don't really know how much we've, cause I needed to kind of work through my budget and figure out how to start there but I was like what I do know is I only want to invest in index funds so don't give me any other recommendations of other shit I, I do not care <laughs> like I have seen I've done enough research and actually fun story on that so the thing that really set me across the line was when I was working at an advice firm that we worked in like the ultra high net worth space we had a client there were a couple um, that decided to run their own fun experiment because they had a fair (laughs) amount of money. They were both very successful and they had a pretty large chunk of money. And so they knew about all of the debates of like, should you pick stocks? Should you go for active management? Should you go for passive? So they decided to take $500,000. So they had $1.5 million in total. $500,000 $500,000 into a, they gave it like 500K to a broker, 500K straight into Vanguard, like directly with Vanguard, not even through a kind of platform. And then 500K into a, I think it was a spread of managed fund, like actively managed funds. It was maybe two or three. And they let it sit for, I think by the time I started working with them, they'd been doing that for eight years and they literally ran their own experiment to see which was wow. doing better.
0: That's a, I, d- a decent chunk of money in each to, to I run an through. I life. know. I
1: was like, "Do you know This what is amazing!" Was? Oh heck yeah! It was index funds all the way. Yes. <laughs> and, and I just, I was like, you know, they did that because That's so fascinating. They had the ability to do that. They weren't stressed, obviously, about I guess the total outcome in the end. And also, I you know, for them, if you look at each of those three different portions of their portfolio, the amount that invested in index funds was the lowest like workload for them, you know, the portion that they had with a broker, they often had to be in touch with the broker to find out, you know, why are you recommending this company and yes, sign off on this recommendation and do this and do that. And even with the active managers, you know, you do have that element of needing to think through, well is this active manager better than this one? And do I agree with like where their strategy is going and why didn't they have a good year last year? Like what went wrong? And are they going to have a good year next year? And all that kind of stuff. Whereas with the passive fund, they were like, it does what it does. And it says what it's going to do on the label. So <laughs> you yeah. can just keep, <laughs> like living. Cleanup, know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> keep living our lives. So that I think for me was the tipping point of like, okay, I can totally see the value in not picking stocks, I was busy at work. I had no interest in doing that. I really didn't want to. Like, even to this day, honestly, nothing would bore me more than going and, like, trawling on the NZX.com or, like, Yahoo Finance and reading <laughs> information about companies. And I'm sure people will listen to this and be like, how do you work at a fund manager? But that is the honest truth. Like, I just do not care. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it probably annoys the boys sometimes because they're like, oh, have you seen this happening in the markets today? I'm like, don't know, don't care, bye. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Actually, on the I remember having a conversation with
0: you about like, You know, how much do you actually need to know about your investments, right? And you're like, I just need to know, like, what happens every, I don't know, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And that, like, I just need to know that overall it's invested in a way that I want it. I don't really care about the nuts and bolts, like, once the decision's been made. So, for me, the starting point of when I did finally start to invest personally, it was uh, I didn't have a lump sum of money. It was just um, like a regular auto invest from my pay in a pay cycle. And that built up quite quickly, which was awesome. That's, you know, I guess the benefit of being able to see how your portfolio was going all the time as opposed to your house is like, sure, whilst it might make you feel a bit crappy when it goes down, you can also get that instant gratification of seeing it go up. So like regularly contributing and seeing the performance and all that sort of stuff, I was like, this is really fueling me to keep going with this investment portfolio. And at that point, um, so that was 100% index funds. And then at that point, Luke wasn't investing. And this is when we were both seeing the same financial advisor, but we didn't have fully combined finances. And it was so funny because I remember him finding out that I had an investment portfolio and he didn't because he was still paying off some personal debt. And he was like... I do not want, I don't want to be left behind in like the investment game. <laughs> I want to, I want to have an investment portfolio too. And so it was a really good motivator for both of us to like get on that same wavelength. Um, And yeah. And then he started investing as well, which very quickly caught up to where I was because he had a much higher pay and was had like a higher ability to invest more. And I was like, no, my head starts just for nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah. So um, in short, I, yeah, I guess I've just not really had the time or interest to want to invest in direct shares and that's cool as we said at the start like it's totally personal preference right there's no right or wrong in which way you choose yeah definitely but, yeah what about you oh wait so but, wait, no oh, yeah. we're staying with you okay so <laughs> so today do you have shares do you, uh, do you own shares rather Yeah, good question. So right now we don't. um, And this is probably in the last years the first time where we actually haven't been invested in the share markets for the, I'm going to say like last seven years. And it's not because we don't want to be, I would love to be, but we decided to withdraw that money to use for other investment purposes. So in this instance, we put the money into a business and I am really happy about that. But equally, I actually, actually feel a like low key level of stress that we're not investing in the share markets because I think I can just so strongly see the value in using that as a tool to grow your wealth. And as we've talked about, like there's a lot more risk owning like right now for us. a lot of our asset base is in our house and a business. Mm. Like that's two things. <laughs> Yeah, what yeah. happens if one of them blows up, <laughs> yeah, you right. know, or like it's what happens chunk. if yeah. there's an issue with your property or the suburb that you bought in becomes a terrible suburb. For me, I'm like the, the risk level associated with that versus having even a small amount invested in, you know, a whole range of funds that ultimately have many hundreds of companies throughout the world. I feel a lot more comfortable with than necessarily being like very concentrated in a couple of assets. So I did actually like, we've got a thousand dollars in out kernel portfolio at the moment, which was mainly me being like panic that I had zero. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to put something back in. <laughs> um, and then it's just been that with, I guess, the life stage that we're in at the moment, we've been trying to build up our cash savings for other kind of short-term expenses and just making sure that um, what post-COVID, whilst we're on like lower incomes, we're doing that first so that then when we are ready to invest, you know, there may be the time that in the next 12 months, we're like, oh, we don't need as much cash as we're currently sitting on we feel a little bit more comfortable so we'll jump back into the share markets. But that's more driven by I guess our personal circumstances as opposed to our desire to invest. Yeah, right. And so
0: you've got a property and as you said, the business. Are you going to invest in a second property?
1: Yeah. as your next step oh, or is it going to be actually really good question because I, I feel like it's very topical I'm at the moment well. super battling with this so we are about to get some money back from a, a second property that we had been investing in with a family member so we will in the next couple of months have I guess a lump sum coming back to us that we're like okay what do we do with that money and we had thought that we would keep it available to do further property like renovations and kind of I guess our passion point of like improving properties and using it that way. But to be quite honest, I'm like so tired that I'm just like, <laughs> no more renos. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like the, the, the draw card of investing that in the share markets is super strong because I'm like, you know what? We could just put this money back into our portfolio in what I know and understand and feel comfortable with and then we don't have to do anything. Imagine how much free time I'll have on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that is something that honestly, yeah, I'm kind of battling with at the moment. I guess the, the one of the things that is leading me towards the share markets as an option as opposed to properties. I'm like, I think maybe that probably gives us a little bit more flexibility because as we said at the start, like it does have that level of liquidity that a property doesn't have. You also don't have to go through the rigmarole of getting like debt and financing and all that sort of stuff. And then as well, you know, we could invest it and then come back a year later and we've done nothing and it's just done its thing. And for me right now, and I guess our life stage, I'm like, that is very appealing. And also, as I said, like we were invested and then we took that money out to put into other investment options. So it's not like you're locked into doing that forever. Yeah. So yeah, you've got a level of flexibility there as well. But yeah, I'm probably yet to convince Luke on the like, let's just chuckle the money back in our portfolio and like, yeah, so go White on was... a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what does he want to do? Is he kind of- uh, I, think, I think he's probably, he, to be honest, is like he loved having money in our investment portfolio. It was actually a really good way for us mentally to siphon off money that we never wanted to touch. It was, interestingly enough, I think money that was invested, once we saw it was invested We had this like real mental barrier against ever withdrawing from that. So we never withdrew from our portfolio for any expense. It was like a hundred percent. We drew down on that to take that money to put into another investment option. It wasn't like, you know, we need to buy a car. (laughs) So that for us was really helpful as opposed to obviously having it in a bank account. So he loves, I think, investing because of that. I guess the challenge that we're working through with, say, like property versus shares debate is it's kind of like, you know, where does our passion lie? He really loves doing the property thing and being a little bit more hands-on with some of that investment. But then, you know, that's the trade-off that also comes with the pros and cons. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Oh, It's so interesting. I know. So, watch this space, guys. Check back in in, like, I would Six say months. maybe two months' time and Yay. I'll probably have an answer. <laughs> what about you? Because, I mean, we've obviously heard that you started with Lululemon and Apple. Like, how have you transitioned or changed since then, the yeah. what have you learned?
0: Oh, what have I learned? Yep. So started with Lululemon and Apple and then I added uh, I added a couple of ETFs and that was before I, I guess, understood even what index funds were and how they worked and what the pros were of investing in those versus an ETF, let's say. Yep. I guess I learned as I invested more in different types of assets and yep. that wasn't a, a two-month journey. It's been a journey to date and I still every day, Or not every day because I don't check my portfolio every day, but often question, am I doing the right thing? Or, you Mm -hmm. know, how do I actually, what do I actually want to invest in? And what are the goals that I'm moving towards? And it's a learning process. But what I would say is that, yeah, the bulk of my investments are now in index funds. um, And then I do still like to invest in some individual companies and purely because I just, I back them wholeheartedly. Mm. um, Or I at least understand the company. So, in a in a past life, I worked at Lululemon, and I am obsessed with the the the, the brand. brand and the product yeah. and all those things. And I think having worked at that company, you have an insight into what it's like to be an employee, how the products are made, all that kind of thing, and and where mm. the true value comes from that is behind just that that share price. What I have done is it's taken me well until I started working at Kernel really mm. to get to the point where I feel comfortable to auto invest. So and building those kind of foundational um, habits because it's you're testing the water you're learning by doing but you get to a point where you think oh okay well I've actually got some serious money in, in yeah. my portfolio and for me the serious money was when I ticked over the 20k mark yeah. where I was like okay so this isn't you know a grand anymore yeah. And, yeah. and getting to the point where you start to think okay what how much am I also doubling up so mm. if I am investing in individual Apple shares and I know that my Kiwi Saver, a large portion of that has um Invest in Apple, maybe it's time to kind of consolidate a bit. Consolidate, yeah. And interestingly, so Ollie kind of started on the journey alongside me. I would say he was probably about six months ahead. But um, I've learned a lot about investing through him and his approach. So, Mm. uh, like, I was very influenced by his KiwiSaver choice. (laughs) So that drove me to change my provider. And so he is now investing in things like crypto and I'm not saying that I invest in crypto but it's it kind of broadens the way you look at the investments and how willing to invest in and how much and the role that that kind of
1: plays. Which I guess is like one of the main reasons to get started right and the point of having this conversation is the more you normalize the conversation or have the ability to talk to those around you about whatever investment options other than property they are investing in like of course you're going to build your comfort level with that because if you know that other people are doing it and they can understand it and explain it to you and help you understand then of course like you can do it too
0: exactly and you you don't know what you don't know right so you have to have those conversations and ask other people to then discover new things
1: i guess one of the things that we often get feedback on is that people are put off from starting because they don't know a if they're going to make the right choice and then b When they have started, like, how do you know that you've made the right choice or how do you know how well you're going at it? So, I'm interested to hear from you because I feel a little bit more comfortable, I guess, just with that as a concept. Because not only have I had probably a slightly longer investment experience personally, I've seen heaps of other people invest through being an advisor and I've seen all of their reactions and like things that have gone well and things that haven't gone well. But for you, (laughs) now being a couple of years in, how do you assess whether or not you're doing well? And do you feel like you're doing well? How do I assess
0: whether I'm doing well? I have no idea. Like I, it's do you worry about it? Like, do you think if
1: you're doing well or not? Or,
0: um, I think I know that I'm doing better than I was and that's probably enough for me. And that i i everyone was a beginner at some point and yes. I, I'm still a beginner, but I'm not as beginner as I once was. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I guess it's progress. Um, and, without having a comparison point because a lot of my friends don't invest in shares mm-hmm. they're more on the property side you you kind of you gain confidence slowly without fully understanding how well you're doing if that makes yeah. sense so i guess knowledge is power and it contributes to your confidence that is that is i think a
1: totally fair point though because arguably, if you look at who in like financial services is deemed an investment professional, there are pre- like plenty of investment professionals out there that don't do what they say they're going to do in their financial job year on year. So if you're looking at yourself being like, am I going to be any good at investing? How do you know whether any like active fund manager or passive fund manager is good at investing? Ultimately you don't. And you can kind of, I guess, assess. Their varying levels of skill based on other stuff, which we won't go into. But it's not to say that just because, well, as we always say with shares, like no one has a crystal ball and literally no one knows what's going to happen in the share markets tomorrow. And that's, I guess, the point of diversification because. You don't know whether Air New Zealand is going to be able to start flying around the world again and the share price will go back up or if we're going to have another round of COVID and their share price is going to continue to go down. We don't know whether or not that's going to happen. We can make some guesses, but no one knows that. For any retail investors out there, which is all of us, like don't give yourself such hard time yeah. and just make sure that I, you know, I think – you focus more on your goals and making sure that your investment is getting you towards your goals, as opposed to putting the pressure on yourself to like pick the best investment because you don't know what's going to be the best investment.
0: Yeah, exactly. And success or quote, air quotes again, mm-hmm. success of um, knowing whether you've invested in the right thing or how you're going uh, performance wise is relative, right? So yep. it's your journey and kind of
1: your shares. Mm-hmm. So focus on that. Um, yes, and you'll always yeah. hear the success stories from other people. It's this whole thing of like your big fish stories of, you know, you ask someone if they've ever caught a fish before and they'll tell you about the time they like caught the largest snapper, but they'll never tell you about the time that they caught all the subsized snapper that they had to throw back in the water. So whilst you can ask friends and family for help around investing in the share markets, just keep in mind that you, you know, people are always skewed to telling you the positive story. So As you say, like it is all relative and you can't necessarily use that as a reference point for how well you are doing with your own investments.
0: Yeah, exactly. So to wrap up our two part investing 101 series, what are a couple of tips that you would give Kat to those who are looking to get started in the
1: share markets? Number one don't procrastinate, as we mentioned, I think a couple of times. Think about the cost of inaction or not doing anything now. And if you are worried about making the wrong choice, start with something small. You know, you don't have to start with all your money, you just need to start. Also, I would say you don't necessarily need to decide straight away what type of investment strategy works for you. You could do a little bit of everything, you know, one of the things we always say in kernel, which I just love is like, investing is not like religion. You can have a bit of everything and it's really not binary. So if you wanted to say, as my clients had invest in a couple of direct shares, you know, put some money with an active fund manager, put a bit of money in an index fund, go ahead and do that and see how they perform over, you know, a various period of time, see what you understand and can um, comfortably work with and then make a more informed choice on what your preference is. So that would be my first two. And then my third would just be try and be aware of our human downfalls, which is that we don't like losing money. Uh, it pains us to lose money much more than it gives us joy to earn money. So, this is, I guess, the whole concept of like loss aversion. And if you come into investing knowing that and being aware that that's a thing, it will really help you to write out what will be the market downturns because you are guaranteed, it's pretty much your only guarantee, you're guaranteed if you invest in the share markets that there will be a downturn at some point in time. And you just need to be prepared for how you will feel emotionally at that point in time. And to that, I just say, focus on your long-term goals. Remember that this is not something that you need the money from tomorrow.
0: Cool. Yeah. And just to add one last point, I would say, remember that everyone was new at something once. And so don't be embarrassed if you don't know uh, what an index fund is or an ETF or you know, you don't even know where to start because we were both there once and it's there's power and trying something new and being curious, I think, to, to grow your money and even celebrate 100%. the fact that you want to do something with it more than just letting it sit in your savings account. That is a huge first step.
1: If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love to hear from you as to what helped you most on getting started with your investment journey. You can find us on Instagram at it's no secret NZ and reach out to Christine and I there. If you want to know any more about how to start investing, uh, types of investment jargon or various different platforms, you can head to the site itsnosecret.co.nz forward slash 10. See you next Tuesday.